Think about how far America to come in 240 some odd years. I'm not talking about to the good side. I'm talking about to the bad side. How much we've forgotten. Our country was founded on some things that today it would be a danger to try to mention them in public places. Uh, it's not the government's job to heal our land. doesn't matter if you've got a Democrat or a Republican or an astronaut in the White House. And I know we need godly people in leadership. We don't have that right now. But it's because of the spiritual well-being of our country that we've got what we've got where we got them. There's no doubt about that. And uh, the church has forgotten its borders. Can I ask you all a question? I'll put you God-given eyes on Brother Billy Ray right now. When's the last time you personally evangelized somebody? You personally. We wonder why our churches are dying off and closing the doors. Because our churches have lost the desire to carry out the Great Commission. What happened to the church at Jerusalem? Why is it not there anymore? Because they lost the desire to carry out the Great Commission. Well, preacher, look at all these, these plaques on the wall. I know, but what about those right here? What about those in the community? What about those right around us? The question the song they sang is, who will go? I wonder who will go. We ain't got to go overseas. Who'll go to us? Who'll go to Derby? Who'll go to Popperville? Who'll go to Carrier? Just somebody that's willing to tell somebody else about you. We don't like, Brother Mark, we don't like rejection today. We feel like, boy, if we get rejected, we're being persecuted. I don't think none of us know what persecution's about. We don't really know it. Rejection's not persecution. Somebody, I believe it was just Doreen, said that she put a, uh, the boys was handing out tracts this week and they went through Starbucks or something or other. Somebody told them, both of them little boys, no, I don't want you track, I want you track. And uh, that's a shame. Uh, I'll agree. But they ain't, neither one of them little boys wore a stripe over that. They wasn't bleeding not one bit over it. That's not persecution. That's just rejection. There's a privilege and an honor that you and I have that we've been entrusted with the good gospel of grace. Somebody told me of a Savior. You know what, Brother Bradley? My first recollection of hearing about Jesus didn't come from a pulpit either. Y'all with me? Y'all following what I'm saying? My first recollection of hearing about a Savior didn't come from a pulpit come from my grandma how many grandmas is telling about Jesus today how many mamas is sharing the good news of Christ how many papas how many daddies how many mamas God help us we'll go to America that gets your soul stirring if you got any Jesus in you Joshua chapter 6 this morning. Joshua chapter number 6. We're going to begin to read with verse number 6. Joshua chapter 6, beginning to read with verse number 6. When you find your place, if you can and you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. I've asked already today that y'all pray for me. I've been a little bit under the weather the past couple of days. I certainly stand in need of your prayers as we stand to preach the Word of God this morning. Joshua chapter number 6, beginning to read with verse number 6. We find that the children of Israel have finally crossed over 
the river and they're viewing the promised land. And uh, we hear the words then of Joshua. Listen as we read the word, from, word of God in verse number 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and come past the city. And let not him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priest and blew with the trumpets and that blew with the trumpets and the rearward came after the ark, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout, then ye shall shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege this morning that we can stand and preach the word of God. Thank you, God, for the Bible. Thank you for this hour. Thank you, God, for living, letting us live in a country where we can come freely and worship you even this day. We know, Lord, those days are drawing few. Lord, we've, uh, we know they're going to be far and few and far between in recent day, or in coming days. But God, I pray that while we have the opportunity and the freedom we have, God, I pray we'll take great advantage of the freedoms that Lord, you've blessed us with. God, would you help us this morning as we stand to preach the Word? God, help us that we could uh, surrender ourselves unto you. God, use me like a dying man to a dying world. I pray God help me to preach in that manner. I pray, dear God, that you would take and stir our hearts today with the pure Word of God. And God, help us that we could surrender our lives unto you, to being the instrument that would be willing to grow and be willing to, uh, to put away self, God, that you could get the, pre the preeminence in our life. and You could be the utmost. You could be the centerpiece. I pray, God, for those today that stand in need of prayer. Pray for those that need help. Pray for the sick, for those that are, are hurting, those that are facing battles, those that have mental troubles, and whatever they're going through today, I pray, God, that you'll help in every case. And I'll bless your name forever. And thank you for Jesus and for letting me be saved. For it's in his wonderful name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you and be seated. We have come into the sixth chapter, Joshua. And finally, the children of Israel are, are, are across the river Jordan. They have uh, walked across on dry land. We looked at last week of of them building the monuments, if you recall, how that they stacked up those stones uh, when they crossed over the Jordan, how that they, uh, those, uh, they, those stones were a testimony and what those test, that testimony would be. Finally, Israel standing there at Gilgal and they're viewing the promised land. Uh, Canaan land was just in sight. There would be evidently a, a lot of conquering to do, uh, one would think, wouldn't you? Boy, you think about the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all those other ites that are there in the land of Canaan. All of them that's got to be conquered. All of them that's got to be defeated in order that Israel can inhabit the land in which God had promised unto Abraham. But we come to Jericho. And there is a command from Joshua. Before we go and inhabit the rest of the land... I want you to take up the ram's horns uh, and get lined up uh, and let's march around Jericho. What a command that is. What a strange command, you might say. What happened to the swords? Uh, what happened to the spears and the instruments of war? For decades uh, had passed. Uh, four of them, as a matter of fact, uh, had went by and the children of Israel had not been allowed to come into Canaan. Not because Canaan was superior in any way unto the children of Israel. 
It wasn't that their armies were, 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 were incapable for God to give them, them, them uh, that land. Remember when they went there the first time, that what they heard uh, back from those spies that were unfaithful was that they're too big for us. Uh, there's to, there, the, them men over in that, there's giants in that land. Yeah, it flows with milk and honey, but we're not able uh, to take it. Now, them guys didn't lie. They didn't lie when they came back and said that because they were not able to take it just like you and I are not able to do anything. The Bible said for it's in Him that we live and we move and we have our being. Uh, so understand that, that what's happened here at this place is they, they came to Canaan and Canaan was not superior in strength. Uh, they had never met on the battlefield before. They'd never met the, the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Jebusites. They'd never faced them them guys before on the battlefield so they didn't know who was the victorious ones the problem was not with the enemy that they had to be that had to be conquered okay what I want to preach to you this morning for just a little while is on the subject of the conquering of self the conquering of self I don't know about you but I need to hear a lot of messages on that I don't know about you, but I need to hear a whole bunch on the conquering of myself, of, of my flesh, of, of taking my, uh, my flesh in control, of allowing God to have the preeminence in me. The problem had, uh, had been with self with the children of Israel for 40 years. Uh, uh, the, the earlier, uh, the report was that the inhabitants of Canaan were too great for us to conquer. But the Lord told Joshua here in this particular place, He said, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty man of valor. The word that God, that God said unto Joshua that has the, the, the preeminence here is the word given. This word given is a prophetic perfect word. It's describing a future action as if it had already taken place. God said, I have given you, I have given you Jericho. I have allowed you. It's yours. God spoke unto him. Now, this didn't just happen in the years, in the days that Joshua had led them across Jordan. God had given them Jericho back when he made Abraham the promise that you'll inhabit the land of Canaan. God had given them that land at that time. But now we find for 40 years, uh, 40 plus years, uh, uh, that they have wandered around. Uh, for 40 years, um, uh, they had, had str struggled in their flesh. Uh, for 40 years, their self kept them from having a victorious life uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and the whole time, victory was assured. Uh, it, it was a sure thing. God had said, it's yours. Uh, but 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 it must be accompanied, it must be accomplished in God's way. God didn't need Israel. Let me just, let's just say this. God didn't need Israel to march around Jericho 13 times to bring, the, bring, bring the, uh, the, those uh, people of Jericho to their knees. All right? God did not need that. That, 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 that. God didn't say, I'm gaining strength every time Israel walks around Jericho. It had nothing to do with God when Israel walked around Jericho. But it had everything with Israel's obedience unto God. It had everything to do with Israel learning that I don't have to trust in myself and I don't need to trust in myself, but I need to trust in God. I'm sure that God could have defeated them in one spoken word. He could have brought the walls of Jericho 60 foot high, 30 foot wide. I'm sure he could have brought those walls down just with one spoken word. But God had to bring Israel to a place where that Israel could understand that there's some things that must happen in my life that I can have the victorious life in Christ. There's some things that needs to happen in our lives if we're going to have the victorious life in Christ. Before they could conquer Canaan, they must conquer their self. Before we can conquer, conquer Canaan in our life, 
before we can have a, a victorious life, let me tell you who, who gives me more trouble than anybody else. It's me. Who gives me more trouble than we lay a lot of things to the devil, but a, a lot of it ain't the devil's doings. A lot of it is my flesh's doings and my, my desire to follow and be obedient to the flesh. A lot of the doings is there. I'm sure the devil tempts me, but he don't force my hand. I, I believe there was an old TV man back when I was just a little old kid named Flip Wilson. Y'all remember Flip Wilson, Brother John did. And he had a big saying, and Flip Wilson's saying was, the devil made me do it. That's what he said. And that's a bigger lie as, uh, as hell's ever told. I'm telling you, the devil ain't never made you do nothing. He's offered you maybe the opportunity. He's put things before you, but your flesh has surrendered to the temptation and that's what brings us to the place where we get miserable that's what keeps us from walking in victory with the Lord that's what keeps us off in sin that's what keeps us our families in turmoil that's what keeps our life a wreck that's what keeps us out of the book out of the words of God is the fact that our flesh does not desire those things now it's a, your flesh is not going to ever desire the word of God your flesh is never going to desire spiritual things your flesh is never going to want to walk in the will of God. But there's one thing the flesh must, must do. It must be conquered in order to have a victorious life. Now, so when we come to this, most of us are going through life blaming others for why we're not living a victorious life. Well, like I said, the devil made me do it. Or, or that, that, that church, I ain't getting fed. I can't tell you the times that, that I've heard folks say, well, I ain't getting fed. We ain't getting fed down yonder. We ain't getting fed down here. I'm telling you what I learned to do. Look here. I promise you, uh, for the past several years, uh, 30 some odd years, uh, my wife ain't been spoon feeding me, buddy. I learned to do it myself, okay? I, I, that's how I got the size I am because I learned to feed myself. Uh, let me tell you what you got to learn to do. Uh, sometimes you got to learn to feed yourself. You got to learn to feed yourself. That is, take the Word of God. Allow God's Word to become something in your life and allow God's Word to, to, to make you into greater than what you really are. Now, there are four areas in our life that, uh, that are tested that we read of in Israel's conquest of self. We want to mention them this morning real quickly if we can. We'll mention those, those, those four areas that are tested in Israel's conquest of self. First of all, look at with us in verse number 10, if you will. Verse number 10, the Bible said, And Joshua uh, had commanded the people, saying, Listen to what he's saying. Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout. Then shall you shout. What in the world are you talking about, preacher, right there? I'm talking about the test of silence. The test of silence. Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth. He said, until that day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. The only sound that was to be heard was the sound of the shofar. Now understand this. I, I, in studying this the past couple of weeks, I... I've realized this, that Israel had two different trumpets. The first trumpet they had was a brass trumpet. It was a trumpet of war. It was what they would blow when they were going into battle. It was what they would blow when they would be facing an enemy and they were fixing to pull the sword and they was fixing to go whip on somebody. They'd blow that brass trumpet. It would sound. And then there was the, the, the trumpet of worship. And any time you read of the, of the shofar or the ram's horn, what you're reading about is the, a trumpet of, of worship, a, a trumpet that's used in, in worship. Now notice here uh, which one uh, they're, they're, they picked up in beginning to read. They weren't blowing the a brass a, a trumpet. They was blowing the ram's horn. In other words, God's already telling them, you ain't got to go fight. I'm going to handle this. You just be obedient. You just put yourself down. You just be quiet and listen to what I'm having to say. The only sound was to be heard was that, a worship trumpet. Trumpet. 
from leaving camp to returning. They were to keep their mouth shut. They'd get up at daylight. They were to, would line up in their way. They'd walk. And they would, those men with the shofars would go before them. And right behind them was the Ark of the Covenant. And then the men of war behind. And the rest of Israel behind them. And they'd march around the wall. And they kept their mouth shut. And boys blow, blow the horns. And they'd just keep their mouth shut. God said, you just hush. And you just, now, I want you to think about something. Now, you go into battle. You go into war. You fix to be in a fight, Brother Silas. And God done said for you, keep your mouth shut. Shut up. Don't say nothing. You just march. I'm going to give you the victory. You just march. I don't need your help. I just need you to be obedient. I don't, all I need you to do is to die to yourself. All I need you to do is understand that you don't have the power to win this battle. All, all I need you to do is just march around the wall. You get up on this morning, you march around the walls of Jericho. You don't say a word, Brother Mike. You just march around. You go back home a couple, they say it took about two hours maybe to march around the walls of Jericho. They said it was about that size and for all of Israel to march around those walls, about six miles city is what it was. They said the walls, 30 for, or 60 foot high, 30 foot wide. They said it would probably take about two hours to do so for the entire thing to happen. But on the seventh day, uh, there was uh, uh, seven trips around. Uh, they had to go. Uh, if that would uh, be the case, there's 14 hours. They were walking that day. Get up, uh, you keep your mouth shut. Some of us have already disqualified right there. Because we ain't going to shut up murmuring. We ain't going to shut up complaining. We ain't going to quit. We're not going to quit talking about somebody. We're not going to quit running our mouths. Uh, and listen, the Bible said Israel had that problem too. Exodus chapter 16 and verse number 2, the Bible said, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured. The whole, not just some of them, but all of them. They complained about leaders. They complained about the Lord. They complained about the leading. They were never satisfied. That sound like somebody that maybe you know? Does that attitude sound kind of familiar? It sounds like the average church to me, occupied by the average church member. Whole lot of complaining. Whole lot of murmuring. But the Lord said before you can have victory, you've got to learn to be quiet. Before you can have a victorious life, you're going to have to learn to be quiet. An active tongue reveals that we're trying to be our own God. That's what it does. We call the shots. We have the last word. We forget that Psalm 46 and verse 10 said, Be still and know that I'm God. I tell you what, it's not us that made this earth go round it's not us that keeps this thing uh, rotating on the axis. Uh, it's not us uh, that makes the sun shine bright and be at the right distance from this earth uh, uh, to keep us from burning up or freezing to death. It's not us that does that. It's God. Hey, listen, the conquering of Jericho did not come or did not begin with the taming of the land. The conquering of Jericho began with the taming of the tongue. James chapter 3 and verses number 7 and 8. The Bible said, For every kind of beast and birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. Listen to this, full of deadly poison. Only God can subdue the power of the tongue. First Thessalonians 4 and 11. Here's another scripture. In that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business. Whew. We need an altar call right now. Do your own business. He left that out of most Baptist Bibles, I know. Study to be quiet and to do your own business. The reason so many of us live a life that is so controlled by our flesh is because we've never 
learned to pass the test of silence. And before Israel could conquer, before the first stone ever fell, they had to learn to be quiet. They had to be obedient in the test of silence. They had to learn to do what the, what, what the Lord told them. You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any words proceed out of your mouth. Until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. The Bible talks about heaven, about the time in, that, we, we, that when judgment said there, there was silence in heaven, John said, for about the space of an hour. Somebody said there wasn't no Baptist there then. It's bad to have that kind of ad, uh, reputation, isn't it? But I know folks that just can't control their tongue. And I'm just going to be honest. Say sometimes I can't control my tongue or I don't control my tongue. Now I know I'm not as holy as what the rest of y'all are. But, but, but there's times that, that I have trouble saying the right things. I want everybody to know my opinion. My opinion don't really matter. Yours don't really matter. The first thing needs to be controlled that we can have a victorious life is we need to learn to be silent. That is the test of silence. Number two, we find the test of submission. In verse number 13, the Bible said, And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and armed men went before them, but the rearward came after the ark of the Lord. The priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. Only thing I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you something. I ain't never seen a battle, never really w watched a battle in live action. Okay, but I, any battle that I've ever seen or that I've, I could imagine, I, I would imagine that the military power would, would be what was on the front lines. Wouldn't you think so? But at this particular time, God has instructed them that you're going to do it my way. You're going to, you, the, 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 those trumpet blowers are going to go in the front. And behind them is going to go the Ark of the Covenant. And then in the rearward part, it's going to be those of you that are armor bearers and going to be sword bearers and, and stuff like that. But leading the way is the worship instruments. Leading the way, the initial order was strange. But the second order was even more bewildering. No swords, no spears, no strategy of battle. They'd never done anything like this before. Really, they hadn't. Now, I will say, in the future, when you get in the book of Judges, they're going to fight another battle just about like this when Gideon leads them into battle. They're going to go fight a battle with just a lamp uh, and a picture. And uh, that's all they're going to have. It's just that thing. And going to be victorious. Why? Because God's just letting them know I'm the one doing the fighting. Let me fight for you. Let me be the one to give you the victory. You see, uh, the test of submission is that we got to surrender our will to the will of God. The objects of the orders was not to crush Jericho, but the object of this order was to subdue the children of Israel. This order wasn't made just so Jericho walls would fall. But this order would remember God had already said, I've given them to you. They're yours. You're, this thing's already taken place. And in God's perfect way, this battle had already been won. But before we get there, there's some things you've got to do. First thing, you've got to pass the test of silence. Then second of all, you've got to just come to the place uh, where the, the, that uh, not only are you silent, but you just come to the place where you have to just totally uh, just surrendered yourself and, uh, and allowed yourself to, to allow God to have His way with you. Listen, they, I want to look at their pride had to be subdued. All Canaan would, would, would hear about this. Can you imagine what those Jebusites is hearing over there? Hey, hey y'all, they told me Joshua led them folks across the Jordan. They lined up at Gilgal, and they ain't even got no swords and staves. 
they just walking around the walls of Jericho. They ain't even shouting. They not even, they not even making any racket. They just, I wonder what they think they're going to accomplish. I imagine some of them thought in themselves, some of those children of Israel, I imagine some of them thought, you know what? We ain't going to never live this down. Don't we worry a whole lot about what others think more than about what God thinks? Now, I know, we, I, 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 want to, I want to have a, a good reputation. I, I want to have that, that, that part that, that folks will, will, will not have an excuse toward me. But sometimes we don't live our life to the capacity and live that victorious life and live that godly life and walk that godly walk because we a little bit get ashamed of what the Lord's requiring us to do. I, I just can't, I've had some, some folks tell me some, uh, something back then we were still having service down at the old building down there a few years ago and I had a young lady tell me and I, I mean y'all I don't get up and hammer on dress y'all know that I don't hammer on it I teach it I, 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 and one lady she come to me one evening and she was furious about, a, about, a, about an 18 20 year old girl she was furious but John she told me right there I am not turning my tight britches in I am not wearing a dress. I am not going to do it. Honey, that's between you and God. That ain't got nothing to do with me. If you, if you done got to the place where you're furious about it, you might better check up and find out why you're furious about it. Right? Now, here's the thing. It comes to the place where uh, whether or not you and I are going to be totally given to God. Where are we going to hold up our will and say, God, I'm just not doing this. Now, what happened to Israel? What, what happened to them there? Now, they had come to the place where the, the, the everybody was hearing about what they're doing. They said, man, this thing... They gonna we're gonna be the laughing stock of Canaan. Everybody around us is gonna uh, gonna think we're just a joke. All of Israel are dressed in battle array, walking around a, a covered box out here in silence, except for a horn blowing. They gonna laugh us out of Canaan land. Sounds kind of scary, don't it? Can you imagine what the enemy must have shouted from the walls? First day, you know. Rahab the harlot done told them that they're, well, how, how the people of Jericho were looking. But you imagine the first day them people standing on the walls watching them as they walk around there. What are they doing? What, what are they, them, them folks are stupid. What are they doing? They go back home to Gilgal. They get up next morning. They hear the trumpet blowing. They run down to the wall. They they doing the same thing again. Third day, they come back. They look, hey, y'all bunch of stupid idiots! That ain't worked the first two days. How y'all go? Y'all ain't y'all ain't doing nothing doing that to us. We ain't even scared no more. I thank God that Rahab still had the thread hung in her door, in her window. But you know, you just think about it. Can you imagine what they must have been saying? Psalm 119, verse 165, Set great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend thee. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Their obedience would make them seem foolish, but, but it would also exalt the Lord. Sometimes being obedient to God seems like a foolish thing to the world. Some folks don't understand why you like you are. Some folks don't understand why you dress like you dress. Some folks don't understand why you talk like you talk. Some folks don't understand why you behave like you behave. But there's one thing they do know that you're different. They do know that you're different. Now here's the thing about this. That, that, they're, they're, you know, Israel, their obedience would make them seem foolish to begin with, but it would lift up the Lord before. Their pride had to be subdued. B, 
their plan had to be scratched. For surely that, uh, they thought that war was at hand, wouldn't you think? They said, boy, when we get to Gilgal, I'm going to sharpen my spear real good. I'm going to go. I'm going to make sure it's real sharp. I'm going to get my, my, my shield. I'm going to make sure that thing's real steady. And, uh, and I, I'm getting ready. And then Joshua stands up and says, we're just going to walk around. We ain't going to shout. We're going to walk around. On the seventh day, we're going to walk around the wall seven times. After the seventh time, we're going to shout a great shout. And then y'all stop and watch what's going to happen. You know, they thought, oh my goodness. Moses, where are you? God doesn't give us a crazy man for a leader. But Isaiah 55 and 8 said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. If Jericho were going to fall, it would be in God's plan, not man's. No battle, no changing, no charging, just submission. So we see their pride had to be subdued, their plan had to be scratched, and see their power had to be surrendered. They must accept the fact that they were incapable of conquering Jericho and Canaan. John chapter 15, verse number 5, the last part, Jesus was speaking to His disciples and said this, For without Me ye can do nothing. That's one problem with the New Testament church today. The New Testament church has learned how to do everything without God. We've learned how to tithe. We've learned how to worship. We've learned how, that's the reason you got all the hand pumping smoke fogs and mirror stuff going on. It ain't got nothing to do about Jehovah. It ain't got nothing to do about, about the Lord Jesus. It ain't got nothing to do about, it's all to do with pumping up the emotion and the feelings and the flesh. But listen, what we need to do is conquer ourselves, not feed ourselves. What we need to do is conquer this flesh, not feed this flesh. That's what's got to happen. Their power had to be surrendered. At this point, it was not massive walls that were the problems, but it was man's will. It wasn't those walls. Those walls could come down. But man's will had to be brought down. Number three, we'll see the test of steadfastness. Verses 14 through 16. The Bible said, In the second day they compassed the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. Wow. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on, on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpet, Joshua said unto the people, Shout! For the Lord hath given you the city. Now you listen to this. Marching around the walls every day for six days had to be a little bit frustrating in my opinion. Nothing happened. Just walking around there. I know we, you say, preacher, you done been here. I know it. Just think about it though for a minute. It had to be a little bit frustrating. The question was no longer would they bow in silent submission, but the question now was would they stay bowed? Would they be steadfast? Would they be steadfast, first of all, to the task? Jericho was not the largest city in Canaan, but writers estimate that it would take about, I said, two hours to walk around the walls. Once a day for six days and the seventh and seven times on the seventh day, they arise at daybreak and march on the seventh day, they march for 14 hours. And in total, they walked around Jericho 13 times. And they walked around Jericho and finally they, 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 they get there and if it were to ever occupy Canaan, they would have to stay the course. It, they couldn't quit it five times on the seventh day. They couldn't quit with grace. They had to stay with completion. And when they, they, they couldn't march around there six times, but they had to go seven. And they had to march around. They had to be steadfast. So many of us today, we, we're on a roller coaster ride of spirituality. We're up and down. We're up and down, sideways, in and out. We, we'll be on fire.
fire one moment and yet we'll take our eyes off the Lord and we'll let our faith fail and we'll be, be destitute and without God seeming like until we get another spurt of energy and say I want to please God again. Some of you and some of us today are living our life in a manner that, that we're just generically, uh, we're, we're malnutritioned spiritually. We're not really in any service to God unless I need you, Lord. God, if I got an illness come up, if I get sick, if I got a real problem, I'm calling out to you. That's good. That's a good person to call out to. But it's not just a good person to call out to when there's sickness in hand. It's a, he's a good person to call out to, uh, brother, when there's no problem in the camp, uh, when, there's a, uh, when there's peace and tranquility in the home. There's a time to go to the God of heaven and say, God, I want to thank you for all the times you've been good to me. I want to thank you for all the things you've taken care of for me. God, I just want to thank you. So many times God don't hear from us until we have a wreck. Or until there's a mess to clean up. We have something that's wrong in our lives or in our family. We get real serious with God then. We got to learn to be steadfast. We got to learn to be steadfast in our task. If they were to occupy Canaan, they would have to be steadfast in their task. Not easily distracted. Woo! Not easily distracted. Not only steadfast in their task, Need to be steadfast in the timing. So often we seem to question the timing of God has for us. We get disturbed by not only the place that God has for us, but also for the pace that He's moving. Sometimes He's not moving fast enough for us. Or sometimes He's moving too fast. Too fast or too slow. Not only are the steps of a good man ordered of the Lord, but also the stops are ordered of the Lord. And lastly, there's the test of spirituality. Back at verse number 6. Verse number 6. Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let the seven priests bear seven, bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city. And let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. We see there, look at verse 8, And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord blew with the trumpet. The ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Our lives are made up of many parts. There's the family part. Right? There's the work part. Occupational part. There's the social part. Oh God, then there's the recreational part. Lord, help us. Lord have mercy. I won't preach right now, but I'm going to try to behave right there. And then there's the spiritual part. Most of them fit in that order. That's the order we tend to them. Our family, our work, our social, our recreational, and then our spiritual. But the spiritual part should occupy all the other parts. Your spirituality is not, is not determined by only your life at church, but by all your parts of life. Am I leading my family in the right ways? Are my children going to grow up to be godly children? Are they going to hear the word of God early in life and trust Jesus and be saved? Am I going to be steadfast and not allow the world to steal away the opportunities that God's given me to raise my children in the house of God. Am I going to be the example on my job that God's given me? Because God's given you that job. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, somebody said, I, I worked hard to give you to get that job. You may have worked hard, but I'm going to tell you who gave you the energy to work hard. 
Because it's in Him that we live and we move and we have our beings. If you read this chapter, you'll find that, this, that these priests are mentioned more than the warriors. You notice that? If you'll read, I want you I'm challenge you to go read the sixth chapter, and you're going to find that the priests are mentioned way more than the warriors are. The priests were bearing the ark. The priests were blowing the, the, the ram's horns. It wasn't the soldiers. You see, the spiritual part of our life needs to gain the most attention. Can I ask you, will you listen to me this morning? I'm, I'm about done. Can I ask you this question? What part gets the most attention in your life? Is it your family, or your work, or your social, or your recreational, or is it your spiritual part? What does your life revolve around? What I'm asking, this is simple. What does your life revolve around? I know it'd get quiet right here on this thing. Because this is a part that really we miss the mark on. It's more than just coming to church, y'all. I told y'all about last week about talking to a little boy at youth camp and, and asking him about coming to church and what he told me. And I thought about how that Everything. What 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 does our life revolve around? In other words, when we don't have anything else to do, when we don't have anywhere else to go, when we don't have any other problem, we'll probably be at church. We'll probably be faithful then. When we don't have anything else that's, that, that need, that's pressing us, in our pyramid of schemes that we have going on. When I don't have something that my job is requiring, when I don't have something recreational to do, when I don't have something my family needs more than anything else. You see, I've, I've, I'm, fixing to, I'm, I'm fixing to rub some folk raw, but that's okay. It won't be the first time that's happened. For 30 some odd years I've been preaching. And I, I raised my children this way. Preachers need vacations just like anybody else does. They need to get away. <laughs> All right? But you know what? I've been here going almost 13 years, and I think in 13 years I've missed one Sunday. And I was preaching in Tennessee that Sunday. You know, you know what? My, even my recreational, God help me, ain't taking me away from this place. I hammered pretty good on that last Sunday about, about faithfulness at the house of God. But it's all about where your heart is. It's all about where you want to be, what, what's important to you. Now, I'm not boosting myself up because I'm, I'm probably the most faulty here. But the test of our spirituality is the fact that, that sometimes we put things ahead of our spiritual well-being. You know why I come to church when I could have every reason to be on vacation? Because I need to be here. I need to be here. The spiritual part of my life needs more attention than any other than any other part. God knows my movements, and He knows my motives. You see, the real battle is not with the Canaanites with these people, but the real battle is with the self. 
Some of you put up a block wall just a minute ago when I was talking about that. You hadn't, you ain't gonna hear nothing else I got to say. And that's because the real battle is with ourselves. You're not gonna hear another word because the battle of yourself, what you want to do. Well, give me some scripture. Be glad to. Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can y'all see it approaching? Where do we need to be? In the house of God. So the battle's not with the Canaanites all the time. I love to say the devil made me do it. Most of the time, my problem is my flesh and the battle with myself. With our silence, with our submission, our steadfastness, and our spirituality, the test can only be passed when we deal with ourselves. When we surrender. Tonight, Lord willing, we'll be on that subject in the book of James. We surrender. Songwriter said, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence. Daily live. I surrender I don't know your heart this morning. don't know if this meant anything in the world to you, but I wonder, I want to ask you a question this morning. Put your God-given eyes on Brother Billy Ray right now. Do you have a problem with yourself? Do you have a problem with yourself? I'm talking about does your flesh, is he, is, is he the dominating force in your life? Yourself. Do you do more to please yourself than you do your master? When that comes to play, you begin to acknowledge who your God is. You hear of the you hear a lot of the talking anymore today of it, it came a word several years ago. I can remember it's been during my ministry. The word humanism came into play. Y'all heard humanism? All that is is tending to self. Tending to yourself. Making sure we had a president, President Clinton, in office, said his he made in, in, in an interview, said his motto was, "If it feels good, do it." Feels good to what? The flesh. 